Uh, we're, this is uh, week two in um, uh, a series that we're calling the, the Charismata. All the gifts are for today. Charismata, fancy Greek word for charisma. Uh, it's where we get the idea that we are a charismatic church. So uh, charis- uh, charisma doesn't mean crazy. Charisma means injected by the Holy Spirit, full of life, full of joy, uh, full of hope. Uh, full of grace. It's also where we get the definition of grace and a, an empowering grace. And so, uh, and, I, and I like how charismata sounds. So this is what we're doing. We're going over the, the charismatic gifts or what we would call the sign gifts of the Spirit. And it's important for me to do it. One is because our churches, we believe this stuff. We believe all of it. All the gifts are for the day. I just can't get, get around it. The way that I read the scripture and the way that I interpret the scripture, it seems to me very clear that God wants us to have all of these spiritual gifts. If he didn't, then, then why are they in the Bible? So that's, that's like my number one question to people that, and, you, and here's the thing. We get to walk gently and we have to walk humbly because you have brothers and sisters in Christ that have a theological position that these gifts stopped. That God no longer does miracles. God no longer heals sick bodies. God, no, you know, we don't prophesy anymore. We don't, you know, like all of these things ceased when, when uh, the book was bound. And so, therefore, we no longer needed uh, the, the supernatural to support the words of the apostles. And um, a couple of things. Again, the way that I interpret it, it's like, no, this, is a, this applies today. And yeah, I need my Bible. It is, it is my direction. It is my anchor. It is my hope. It, it, it helps me with right thinking. There's so much that this book does for me. It's absolutely crucial to my life. But I also need to be walking inside the kingdom of heaven. I need to have heaven on earth. I need to see, I need to see God's hand move in my life. And there's just a number of ways that he does it. Again, it's in these sign gifts. So last week was the overview. And like week by week until we're done, we're going to go over each gift. Is, it, is there seven? Is there nine? I'm not sure. We'll figure that out as we go along. I think there's seven. But anyway, today we're going over the spiritual gift or the sign gift of prophecy. Prophecy, that's kind of a loaded word, and we need to, we need to define it. We need to know what, what the word prophecy actually means, uh, why it's important to the church, why it's important to you as individuals, and, and what, it, what, it, what it's not. Let's talk about what it's not for a second. Uh, what it is not, it's not, um, when I was in youth group, uh, when I was actually in youth group, not leading a youth group, but when I was in youth group, one of my friends, uh, you know, he, he didn't grow up in church, didn't have a church background, and then he started coming around us. We got him baptized, and he was just plugging in and reading his Bible, really excited about it. And, he's, and he's, I remember vividly, he's like, you know, Josh, I think God is calling me to, to be a prophet. I'm like, Really? Tell me more. Why do you? It's like, yeah, I want to I wanna have all these powers, and I want to be able to read people's minds. I want to be able to split the waters in my swimming pool. And, and I made that part up. Um, and, but you see, what he, was, he had this archetypal image of what a prophet was. And he's like, and I'm going to, and this I'm not making up. And he says, and I'm going to have a staff. And I think that he was serious. And I'm going to have a staff, and I'm going to go on wild adventures. I'm going to roam the world and uh, perform miracles. And he was somewhat serious, but he didn't quite understand what the term prophet means. And through popular culture and through Christian movies, uh, we, have a, we have an interpretation of the Old Testament prophet, which is, you know, it's Charlton Heston, wild-eyed, crazy hair, doing incredible miracles. And the role of the Old Testament prophet was he, he basically, he channeled God's voice. He, they didn't, yeah, like they said, they didn't have this. And so he was speaking to God's people directly from God. And most of the time he was telling them and warning them that they needed to repent because they were doing really bad things. And so there was, um, there, obviously there was a power in the, in the ancient, or the Old Testament prophets. 
and they needed to be paid attention to. But they were God's, the prophets, Moses and Isaiah and Ezekiel, uh, they were God's mouthpiece. And it was vital that they were correct. It was very important that they were accurate. Uh, because if you weren't an accurate Old Testament prophet, something bad happens. They, they stone you. They kill you if you're not accurate. But things changed. We have, when Jesus came, and, when, when, and more importantly, after Jesus left and we get empowered, we, we get, when the Holy Spirit came, when we moved into the church realm, that gift of hearing God's voice and channeling God's voice, declaring God's voice, it didn't go away. It just gets filtered through love. It gets filtered through the cross of Jesus. And it is important for the church. It, it, there's a bit of a shift because Jesus died for all of our sins and all of our iniquities and all of our failures. And so now the gift is not for pointing those things out. Now the gift is for encouraging the church. And again, it's vital. But we don't necessarily get that. Another one of the criticisms against prophetic actually working in the church today uh, why our brothers and sisters will say, it's not for today. It's, it was for back then, but it, it, again, it's not for the day. And the reason why is because we have all of our prophecies in the book, right? You read Revelation. We know exactly when the end of the world is and we know how it's all going to go down. It's all in the book. I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating. We don't know. We have, to interpret, we have to interpret Revelation and Daniel in the same way. And churches are in a disagreement about specifically what's going to happen. And there's a lot of Im imagery. There's, there, it, it's difficult to, to sift through it. Um, but if you ask me, I know the date and time when Jesus is coming back. I do. I, I absolutely do. That's tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> but so we just, it, so there is that, um, uh, so they would say, well, okay, all, the prophecy has ceased because the book was closed. And there's a scripture reference in Revelation that says, uh, woe to those who add a line or a word of revelation that is not in, that is not in this book. So basically, you know, and, and Revelation says, the book is closed. You can't add any more Holy Scripture to it. And so it's definitely problematic for other people that are writing and saying, this is Holy Scripture. This is, this is the appendix. This is, this is uh, part two of the Bible. And there, there's been religions and people that have done that. And it's not accurate. So, but what is accurate is God's word to us. So yeah, we know, we know that, that the end is coming. We know Jesus is coming back. Uh, the, the, the book has been sealed. But here's the, here's the bummer part. I'm not in here. Like, I'm not in the book. My name is not in the book. That could be a good thing or a bad thing. Because sometimes people, they, their name, it ends up in the book. And like Paul is making fun of them for all eternity. So maybe it's a good thing that I'm not in the book. But I'm not in the book and you're not in the book either. Like you're literally not in the book. Figuratively, you're in the book because we're God's children, and, and the book is written to us. Um, but it can't tell us specific things about our lives. It can't give us that. Can give us the moral direction. It can give us the the way that we live life. But like this very specific stuff, it ain't in there. What are you going to do with your life? What is the purpose of your life? What is your ministry of your life? What are, what are the gifts that God really wants to highlight and bring to the top? It's not in there. And I am convinced that we need this gift of prophecy to give us a vision for our own future, like something to hit, a target to aim for. It, when God speaks and his spirit resonates with us, like, then you know that you know you're headed in the right direction. If you ever feel just completely at peace about where you are in your life and where you're going, like there's just no confusion because you've been faithful to the Lord, I mean, you've been, you're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, 
I'm going to walk in this confidence. No matter what happens, no matter how bumpy it gets, no matter how frustrated I get, I'm not going to give up on the Lord. I'm not going to give up on his vision for me because I've got this prophecy over my life. And this is what I want for our church. I want you to have a prophetic word over your life. Well, we're going to begin to work on this a little bit more. And some of you have. Some of you have a prophetic word over your life, and that's a good thing. And sometimes we just forget about them. Sometimes we forget to take care of what God has spoken. Um, I, I believe that the prophetic words come in a couple of different ways. They come in a more formal sense, like I could say to you, uh, I'm going to give you a prophecy from the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. This is, this is where God's leading you. So I can do it in that way. Um, or it could, it could be less informal. It could be from somebody you love, somebody that, that is walking with the Lord, somebody that you trust, and they say, you know, they don't use, they don't drop the P word, prophecy, but they're a little more natural about it. They're a little more uh, conversational about it. And, he says, and they say things like, you know, I really think that God's calling you to maybe go to this college. Or, you know, God, I, I really feel strongly that God's calling you to, you know, take that job that, you, that you've been applying for. You know, which one is it? Well, I think God's calling you to that one. Or God really, I think God want, you know, you have to be in community to do this well. All right, if you get your Bibles, let's turn to uh, 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at the tail end of chapter 13 in the beginning of 14. And this is why, so the question of why prophecy, why is it important, and we're going to, we're going to look at it. We're going to highlight it. Okay, so at the very end of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, scroll all the way down to verse 12. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, right? Does this feel like your life sometime? Your life is a little hazy, like it's not clear. Maybe you don't even feel like this place is real. You, maybe you don't even feel like you're here half the time and you're just floating in and out. You're clocking in at your job, but you don't really necessarily feel that zest of life. And then occasionally you get, you get, you get revitalized and you get breakthrough and you get vision or you get, you get empowered by the Holy Spirit and then life begins on to take on color again, once again. And so this, is just the, this could be a pattern of life. I think God wants to, to continue to live in a constant state of joy and peace and confidence. I'm not saying bad things don't happen, but there is a confidence that comes along when we walk in the Spirit. Paul says, Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, and then we shall see face to face, face to face with Jesus, this clarity, this clear clarity. And now I know in part, then I shall fully, I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. What in the world is he talking about? It is God's desire for your life that you are completely confident in who you are and that you feel fully known. Maybe you don't feel completed right now. Maybe you don't feel quite right. You're a little lopsided. You're a little wonky. Maybe you're not sure if even the trajectory of your life is going in the right direction. But here's the good news about God's plan for your life. Like he knows who you are better than you know yourself. There is a perfect version of you. There's a perfect representation of who you are, who you should be. And God's got a vision for it up in heaven, and he wants to bring it down so that you can fully be known by God. You can fully know who he has called you to be. It's a very exciting thing to step into your destiny, to step into God's destiny for your life. And this, I believe, is what he's saying. Verse 13, when we read 14, I want you just to ignore it altogether. Ignore the 14 that's on your Bible because I think that it shouldn't be there. This is a continuous text. It all should be flowing together. There shouldn't be a break. We, should, we need to read this in, in all together. And he says this, and now these, thing, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. These are the elements that we begin to do our faith through. 
faith, hope, and love. This is how we, we, we walk in the Christian faith. Now, follow the way of love. All right, so this is, this is where we start. We start here on every single spiritual gift. The ones that you get when you cross that line of faith, you get imparted into you specific spiritual gifts. Some of them come quite naturally, some quite easily. Maybe in the natural, you're really, you're really intuitive. Like you can just read people inside out. You can, like, you know, when they walk in the room, if they're just like, you know, I don't, you know they're a little twitchier, you can read them, right? If you have the ability to read people's body language and, and know what's going on, you can you just feel the vibe in the room, most likely you're going to, God's going to work with that natural gift, but he's going to give you the spiritual gift of, of knowledge or wisdom. And you're like, he's going to show you stuff very clearly and very specifically about people and about things. Um, if you have that gift, would you ask the Lord where my glasses are right now? Right. Because, like, you know, I, like, I need to develop that spiritual gift of knowledge so that I could find my glasses. Because right now I'm about ready to pray to St. Anthony to find my glasses. He's the patron saint of lost things, right? I don't know. Um, I think I need to, like, develop the spiritual gift of organization or time management or something. That's not in here. But this is, what I, this is the next part. Okay. Follow the way of love. Eager, okay, ready for this? Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So we are to desire these. It's not, I mean, even though that my, my, my friend in youth group, you know, wanted to be Gandalf the wizard, right? <laughs> so he had this desire to step into to God's glory, to step into God's power. God's not calling anybody to be Gandalf the wizard because that archetype is gone. But what God is calling each and every one of you because he's put this desire in your heart to desire spiritual gifts. So he wants you to go after all of them. Like the ones that you don't even have yet. So you got that because you're intuitive, because of God's grace, like you've got that word of knowledge thing down pretty good. But it just, it like just came up. And like, and you're still a jerk, right? Like, you haven't even worked on your character yet. You haven't even worked on being a good Christian. You haven't even memorized any scripture yet. Yet you're able to function in this spiritual gift. It makes absolutely no sense. It's not even fair, right? Like, if anybody deserves a spiritual gift, it's grandma who knows the Bible inside and out. But God gave you that gift, and you didn't earn it. But you are required... You have a moral obligation to steward that gift, to make it better. And then I'll even argue, you have a moral obligation to go after all the gifts. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Okay, ready for the next line? Especially the gift of prophecy. Why especially that one? And what in the world is prophecy? All right, let me read the rest of it, and then let's talk. For anyone who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. I love that verse. I think you all should be uttering mysteries with your spirit. But anyone who prophesies, he speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Okay, do you see where the New Testament sh has shifted in the area of prophecy? Because before, the gift of prophecy was to proclaim to God's people that they were messing up, and if they didn't repent and change their ways, they were in that whole vicious cycle of repentance and getting your act together, and then God's judgment. See, Jesus breaks us out of that sin cycle, and he moves us into grace. And now this is what prophecy is for. It is for strengthening and encouraging and comforting. I don't think that you need to be receiving any prophetic words from anybody that makes you feel uncomfortable. I don't think that you should be receiving any prophetic words that are not encouraging. Like you get enough of those things from watching the news. 
I don't think that you need to be receiving any prophetic words from anything that is not that doesn't build you up in the spirit, that does not increase your faith, that does not say, you know what, if you're with God, anything is possible. All things are possible. That is what prophecy does. Okay, let's skip down because my topic today is not on tongues, it's on prophecy. So let's skip down to uh, the middle of verse 5. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers, if I come to you and I speak to you in tongues, what good will it be to you unless I bring with you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even is the case of lifeless things that make sounds. Okay, let me skip down. Skip to, 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 to. He's talking about noisy things that don't make sense unless there is definition to them. Let's go down to verse 10. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them are without meaning. Even then, I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying. I am a foreigner to the speaker, and he is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you are eager to have spiritual gifts. Again, back to this hunger for spiritual gifts. And it is for the edification of the church, the building up of the body of Christ. And I believe that it is done both corporately and individually. And so we need to have a word for our own personal lives. And some of you need to have a word or a prophecy over your business, over your place of employment, maybe over your school, maybe over your group, if you have a small group. Like, what is God saying that this small group will be if you guys are faithful and if you guys steward what, is, what, is, what God speaks into it? There are prophecies over churches, over organizations. There's a prophecy over this church. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, all right, let's hear it, good. Okay, so, years ago, there was a prophecy that was spoken about our church, and we are still working on it. A lot of the times when we get a word from the Lord, sometimes they're quite outlandish, like that's impossible for me to do, and that's the whole point, because you can't do it within your own power. You have to trust and rely on the Lord. So if a prophecy does not challenge and increase your faith, it needs to be questioned a bit. Now listen to this word, and here is a, this is a, this is a, a litmus test that I use when I, when, I, when I hear something spoken, the, the spoken word of God. Um, real quick, in your Bibles, whenever the word, word is typed out, the word, word is either the logos word of God, which is the written word of God, or it is Jesus, because Jesus, what is the word, and the word was made flesh, and that word is logos. So Jesus is this constant, steady, unmovable truth that was there from the beginning of time, and he created everything that we're walking on right now. He created you. He created the air that you're breathing. He is logos. He is unchangeable, immutable, absolutely pure, perfect, amazing, gorgeous. That is our Jesus. That's our logos. He chose to take on flesh so that he can relate to us in a personal way. It's absolutely amazing what logos is. And so when you read your Bible and it says, you know, um, the word of God says this, most, most of the time it's saying logos said this. Jesus says this. But there's other times in the Bible, in the Greek, where the word word, the word word typed out, is not logos. It is rhema. And the rhema word of God, that translation of that word word, when it is when it in the Greek, it is rhema. It is the freshly spoken word of God. 
meaning that it is living and active and it is particular to you and your situation and your circumstances. And for you to get out of the muck, for you to get some direction, for you to get a little kickstart, you need the rhema word of God in you. We need, it needs to come into your heart. It needs to be planted deep inside of your spirit. And it needs to give you that, that target that you, hit, you aim for. It is rhema, living, active word of God. And my rhema word of God is going to be different than your rhema word of God because I'm a different creature than you are. And so it is the unique expression that we need to line ourselves up with. The rhema word of God is never going to contradict the scriptures, by the way. So the freshly spoken word of God is, is gonna, it's not going to say, you know what, uh, you, need to, you, you need to dump your spouse and get a better one. Freshly spoken word. And, you know, you'd be like, yeah, I agree with that because my spouse is driving me crazy right now. That's not rhema because that goes against the word of God. That is your own desires because you're not desiring spiritual gifts. You desire spiritual gifts. Those get manifested in the fruit of the spirit. This fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So these are the hallmarks that you're doing it right. You've got the, you're going after that fruit of the Spirit as well. This is rhema for our church, and it still is rhema for our church. It's the freshly spoken word of God. And again, this isn't in the Bible, but it is the word of God. Does that make sense? Okay. Written in 1979. I don't know what the final story is going to be of this particular fellowship, but I think it's going to make a very good reading. I am deeply convinced in my own heart, and I am not making some opportunistic statement, saying I'm not trying to get you all hyped up, that God's eventual purpose for this body of Christ is that numerically you will be thousands strong, but not only that, you will also put a figure, in, God has put a figure in my mind of tens of thousands. So we are to be a congregation, a body, we are, we are to have an influence of tens of thousands. Our little church here. <laughs> the, adma- the advancement of this fellowship and the multiplication of this fellowship is dependent upon our allowing God to appoint and to anoint leaders and shepherds of this body to cater to the sheep. The Lord, the head of the church, uh, will give to this church as many sheep as they can effectively look after. It's interesting, isn't it? Trying to figure out how many people I can take care of right now. So I'm going to have to need you. I need your help. God will not commit sheep to those who can't properly look after them. What God desires for the church of God is an increase. And its increase will be according as the sheep can be properly looked after. But God wants the increase to come from souls being born again of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that cool? God wants this church to become a maternity home. There is a danger, friends, in the progress of a church. There is a danger of a wrong assessment of growth. Are you paying attention? Now, I believe that we have an alternative in church progress. The administrative of becoming like a maternity home or just becoming foster parents. What he's saying is true growth comes from the inside out through the empowerment and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We are to take care of and we are to bring into the family the lost sheep of God. We, we, we have to take care of them. We need healthy growth, not artificial growth, because we're a family, right? He says there's a difference between churches 
that are family and then they take in and they make them family, they, they make the orphans family. There's a difference between them and foster parents. Does that make sense? Foster parents are like, I'm just going to have you for a while. I'm going to get the government check. <laughs> right? This is an abuse that we've seen in our own system. Sometimes people just get the foster kids in, they cram them into their house, and they get that government check. There really is no heart for them. The heart is for the convenience that they bring. And uh, that might be true in church life, too. The Lord will raise up from this body all that it needs for his multiplication program. It is so important to know God's pattern, and to, it is so important to move in God's time. Can I get an amen on that? Because yeah. there's a timing to God, right? And his timing is not our timing. I have a fast food culture timing. I want it, and I want it now. And when God doesn't give it to me now, I throw a temper tantrum or I decide to lose faith. God's timing is not our timing. Laying down foundation takes time. You see, friend, we can't afford to make one mistake. If we go, if we go God's way and if we wait upon the Lord, we won't make one mistake. In the church of God, there are no positions, only ministries. Now we come into the glory of the church age. We're in the church age right now, if you want to get into Old Testament or Revelation. We are in the glory of the church age, where God's intention is that through, that though not one individual, but many brought into this fellowship with one another, will end up with one another under the headship of Christ and God's appointed leadership into a body that is a body that should reflect Heavenly character. Can I get an amen there? Eldership is absolutely essential for the multiplication of this body. It is not, uh, if it is not, friend, there is no extra optional. Do you know, of course, you do, that our commitment to Jesus is not manifested in the words we use or by putting up our hands or by kneeling at the altar Praise hallelujah, Jesus. Our commitment to Jesus and the work of the kingdom is manifested by our commitment to the local body of Christ in which the Lord has placed us. No more, no less. Faithfulness, commitment, no matter what happens. In one sense, you are not being a new church. In one sense, you are becoming a new church. It is a continuation of of the life of God. We are now in a particular stage in God's plan where the Lord is going to distribute an abundance as never before seen. I believe this within all my heart. There's going to be a distribution of, a, of abundance that our church has never seen before. I'm really excited about that because I've got some bills to pay. Ministries to the body of Christ. Arise and shine. Now this is the word of the Lord to you as a church. Sometimes there are stages in our particular histories where we are called upon to perhaps review situations, to make new commitments, to make a decision. And sometimes that is the advantage. There is the advantage of change and you are going through a change. And I pray that one of the hallmarks of you as a church will be that you will be known as primarily a praying people. It's deep in my heart right now, by the way. If you are not a praying people, my friend, you are not going to make it. So this is a prophetic word. Did you feel God in it when I read it? This was written in 1979 by the, he, he held the office of prophet by Prophet Campbell McAlpine. He was a legitimate man of God. He's not uh, some snake oil guy. He's, he is a man of character. And there was so much, uh, he was, I don't know if you heard in his tone, but he says, like, this isn't, I'm not hyping you up here. God just doesn't give me numbers, but God gave me this number. And that's not the first time we've gotten ridiculous numbers like that spoken into our church. And did you catch the, there's going to be a, a way that it's going to be done that is different 
than in other ways. It's not going to be church as usual. And it is predicated on people growing up into their destiny and people tapping into their prophetic calling, people doing the ministry that God's called them to do. There is, leadership is required for this thing to take place. The strengthening of our, of, our, of our board and our elders is required for this to take place. But for, first and foremost, what was the defining thing? That, that what we have to do in order to hit that crazy number? What do we have to do? What do we have to be known for? A praying church. Praying church that prays the mysteries of God instead of whining to God about all of our problems. The, the, the praying church that is, that is interceding for a lost and broken community where, you, where prophetically you are praying for your community and instead of hating your community. There, is no, there, there needs to be Christ's affection upon our, our community. In Revelation 9.10, it says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Meaning that if you, if you, if you seek, which the, he's telling us that we need to, he's saying, eagerly desire these gifts. So if you heed his calling and if you're going to eagerly desire to go after this one, because the, the key of it is love, right? It, it has to be filtered through that love filter. And the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy? What does that mean? What is, what is the testimony of Jesus? The testimony of Jesus is that we have been saved by grace. The testimony, there is, there is power in the testimony. So our power source for this gift, it has to come through Jesus. And if it doesn't, and let's just say you get lucky in prophecy, then you're just a Notre Dameus. You're just the Gandalf the Grey. You are not Jesus' prophet. Because the way that Jesus sees the community, even the broken community, even the one that is in outright rebellion against God, what, how, does Jesus, how does God see the world? For God so what? For God so what? For God so loved the world that he gave. And that needs to be the attitude and the condition of our heart. We have to love the world like Jesus does. And if we don't, we can't prophesy correctly. It's going to be tainted by soulish power, by, uh, by, our own, uh, by our own fallenness. So the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I want to encourage you. Like there's a prophecy that's given over to your, into your life and you need to go out and find it. I'm going to give three today. But there's all, I want to encourage you, parents and grandparents and friends, like if you get this love thing down and if, you are, if you're desiring the spiritual gifts and if you do it with scripture, take a chance, do it. You have to do it from a humble place. You have to do it from a place of correction. Here's some good news. Like, if you get it wrong, I'm not going to stone you. That, does, that Old Testament stuff doesn't apply. Because, Paul says, you need, to test, you need to test prophecy. If you receive a prophetic word, it is, it is your responsibility to judge it. Whether I get it or some amazing man or woman of God gives it to you and it all seems right except for that one little tinge there, you have the right and the obligation to test it. Because what if, it, what if it's only 80% right? Right? So you test these things. And, I, and look, and if you do this in your home group, if you're not in a home group, get in a home group. Hang out with people. Begin to speak into their lives. If you get something that sits sideways with them, please have the humility to share with one another and to give each other feedback. And he says, you know what? I like this part that you said about, about me stepping into ministry and, and serving the poor in this way. Um, but that part about uh, me becoming the president of the United States, I don't quite agree with that one yet. So does that make sense? 
So you and, and you've got to take it. Like you've got to you've got to you got to be able to take correction. You got to be able to take you know a little bit of adjustment here and there. If you can't, then you're then you're not humble, and you probably shouldn't be speaking into people's lives. And this is what you this is what you can't do. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is so important. You cannot be giving words from God if you're in a wonky place. Specifically, if you're at odds with somebody that 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 you want to go speak the truth and love to, you, you shouldn't do it. Because I mean, if you are, if you're at odds with somebody, if somebody's annoying you, if somebody is rubbing you the wrong way, if you just don't like them, do, what are the three hallmarks of prophecy that he gives us? You have to strengthen, encourage, and give them comfort. And if you're not doing any of that, then you're, you're, you're it's kind of dangerous territory, frankly. Like, leave it alone. There's three voices in your head. There's the Holy Spirit, there's yours, and then there's the enemy. So if you're not able to comfort, if you're not able to encourage, if you're not able to strengthen them, giving them the, the faith to build themselves up, and you just, you're just listening to the wrong voices right now. We'll talk about um, the discerning of spirits in a couple of weeks, too. All right. I want to encourage you as individuals, too. When God gives you a direction and a vision for your life, if he gives you a scripture, a life scripture, you write this thing down, you make it plain, you put it on your window, you put it on your mirror, you begin to eat that word of God up, like ingest it, like it is your target, that is what you're hitting. You need to have a target to hit for. When you go through life and you don't have that spiritual destination, it's hard. If God hasn't been invited into your place of work and place of business, and you feel like giving up and you have no prophetic word spoken over, to you, over your situation, it's really easy to give up and quit. It's like, if you, don't have a, if you don't have a prophetic calling on your ministry, you will give up. Because the spirit of prophecy isn't in it. The power of Jesus' testimony isn't in it. It just won't work. So I want to encourage you, just like somebody's snoring. <laughs> Probably time to wrap it up here, huh? <laughs> Uh-oh, sorry. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. Okay, let me show this video. Because the point is, there's, there's different ways of doing things that God's calling us into doing. It, the renewing of the mind means that you think about things in a different way to promote um, what God is doing in the kingdom of heaven. So this outlandish goal for our church to hit, we can't fit 10,000 people in this building. I don't think I'd want to fit 10,000 people in this building. I don't even want to be, a, I don't want to be a mega uh, church pastor. I have no desire to be a mega church pastor. I can't keep track of all you guys. How can I keep track of 10,000 people? It's like, I don't want to do that. But I do want to be faithful to what God's calling us to do. And that's it. And so as leadership, we sit around the table and we're like, how do we do this? How do we actually put some feet and head in this direction? It's outlandish, but God's called us to do it, so let's do it. Okay, so here is an idea. Well, I've showed this video in the past. Uh, this, is a, this is an opportunity that our church has. Uh, it, I think it's God. There's, there's prophecies that have been spoken into this situation directly, not just spoken into me, but spoken into the situation directly. I brought this to uh, some, some prayer ladies, and, and before they even saw the situation that's going on, they would, they would say, you know, the number 10 is so crucial and vital for the season that you're walking in right now. You need to pay attention to that number 10. Like, we don't want to get into weird numerology, but like this, sometimes God leads us into these specific things specifically if you're like, confused about what God's doing. And so 10 was an important number, and, uh, and expanding our territory, expanding our tent pegs was another prophetic word that was given into the situation before it was even brought up. Okay, so this site, there's a, there's a campus that's available um, for purchase, and it's in Mount Baldy. It's 15 minutes away. It would not be a new church site. It would be an extension of this campus. And if God blesses us with this, and I believe that the provision is locked up in heaven. It's there. It's waiting to come down. And it all depends on how well we steward the prophecy. 
it's way, it's waiting. It, it, it's what Paul was writing about. Like all of God's provision is there, and it's, that applies to you too. Everything that you need in 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 your life is waiting for you in heaven, and it depends if God's going to give it to you, depending on how well you're stewarding what He already has has blessed you with. So. Um, I see it as an extension of this campus, and we would run it as a traditional church camp. I could, we could easily staff it with all of the people in this church because there's so many of you who are so hungry to serve God. You want to rise up into other areas of leadership, and God, I think this might be it. I think this might be it. Like, there's so, much, so many gifted, talented people inside this congregation. And I, and I think that this is a way not only to continue to increase the leadership, as the prophecy says, but also to increase the number. Um, all right, let's roll that video, and I'll, I might butt in here and there and cut it off too short, and I'll send you the email. Okay, so up at Mount Baldy, 15 minutes away, 12 minutes away if my wife is driving. And... It's 185 acres. That, there's a lake, the, the color will kick in in a second. <laughs> so, they're figuring out, I mean, there's a way to get filled. It's just complicated. It has to be lined, because right now it just, it just leaks all Okay, out. so that's an empty oh, lake, so, and it just needs to be filled up and sealed up. To where it would be a it would lake. Yeah. And then in the background is Mount Baldy and Mount San Antonio. The, the, the guy here knows the site inside and out. So he, he built everything here. Wow. He moved all the rocks. His equipment's here already. Wow. So. Yeah. All right, so let's go this way. 10 of these little cabins. They've never been slept in. They're, they are brand new. They've never been used. Up there is a restaurant with uh, bathrooms and showers, and it's all fed through a water tank. And there is a well, there's a natural well here. We just found that out. I didn't know that until today. That's what that building right there is, is the kitchen? Yeah, the restaurant kitchen, yeah. The restaurant's so, never been has, used either. It's ready to go. It has everything in it already. It's so cool that these are just brand new little buildings. Yep. Just yep. chilling. Yeah. What do you think, Joy? It's it's I know, right? It's private. Okay, we need to go. This is amazing. Yeah. 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 No, that's. Well, that's what they're talking about. It needs to be sealed first. So when it rains, it fills, but then it it seeps it seeps into the water table. So they just need to they need to seal the bottom, and then it will hold the water. Uh, or something. Yeah, probably something. Yeah, that's the property too. Yeah. This whole this whole mound, yes. And then across the, I haven't seen it, but across the street too. So what are these? Oh, tent cabins, never been used. Never been used. Seven of them. So these are all these are all uh, parking or camping stalls in here. So, and I believe that uh, some of them are RV ready too, but there's more of them that way. Uh, again, just more like this flat area all over the place. Digging, there's just more space down there, kind of more of the same. That's pretty down there, but I want to show you this up here. It is. I know, right? More spots. Okay, so this could be one wedding site. Wow. Ha. Crazy. That oh, and so this is where the sun sets. So when the wow. sun sets over here, it's like orange. 
That view. The dimensions on that That's just keeps so going. Gorgeous. And so you got to see these big rocks. <laughs> All right, well, there's another view too, but this one's not bad. Ooh, but you could take like your boys on a troop out here to the rocks and then do Devos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and there's bigger rocks than this out in here. Yeah. So, it's just cool. the city. Yeah. Let me tell you see it up here. Okay, so it's the only view of the city, of the mountains, and of Glendora so Canyon Ridge. From where we're standing right oh. here, we can see the city. Yep. We can see Mount Baldy, Mount Baldy Village. And if those bushes weren't there, we could see Glendora Canyon Ridge. Okay, let's go ahead and stop that. And so the whole point of this is, is that like God wants to do things and he wants to do them in creative ways. Like that number is impossible for us in this location. It's physically impossible. But I believe God's made a way. And God's made a way for you. Like, there, God, like you've got an issue and it's, it's like physically impossible. And God has made a way. He has a prophecy for you. Like all of the resources, all of the answers, all the things that you've been praying for, they're in heaven right now. Like for some of you, the money's in heaven and it's just waiting to come down. You just need to be faithful to what he's called you to do. Some of you, that, 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 that next step in your life and in your career, like all the pieces are already right there up in heaven. They've, they've been destined to be there, and they're just waiting to come down. So I know that most of you or some of you have never been spoken over prophetically. And so I'm going to do three right now, and uh, I hope it helps. And if it doesn't, and if I say anything that's sideways or doesn't make sense, I want to encourage you to tell me because I'm teachable, and you should be too. That's the only way that we're going to grow as a church.